Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Thank you, JJ, for that awesome introduction. And I also want to thank all my listeners from around the world. If you are a regular listener to this show, then you are aware that we are already in 51 different countries. And considering that the show is only a few months old, this is absolutely thrilling. And what it shows me and my listeners and my guests is that there is a message out there that needs to be shared worldwide. And that is the message of hope. That there is, you know, there is hope as long as we are six feet above ground, we can do things to change our lives, to improve our lives, and to change our circumstances. And my guests always have incredible methods and tips and secrets on how to do this, as well as sharing from their hearts their stories of when they were in a hopeless situation. So with me today is that such a person like this, and her name is Maya Hope Kitwana. Now, I am really excited to have her today because not only does she have a phenomenal story to share, but I also have met her in person, and I believe that that, that just makes it even that much more special. So I was able to spend several hours one afternoon with her uh, on the East Coast of the United States when we were at a at a conference together, and she shared from her heart there and I know she's going to do that today and she is a delight a warm caring individual who came from horrendous circumstances and she's going to share both sides of that she wrote a memoir entitled breaking my silence which is exactly what you would expect it to be and that is when she spoke out about her abuse And any abuse victim will tell you that this is not an easy feat. And Maya is going to share how and why and when she did this. Her story is a powerful story of abuse. And she hopes that through telling this story, it can comfort those who also have suffered in silence. And in her book, and I'm sure today, she will offer tips to finding a way out of that cycle of abuse. And some families endure this through generations. And she also wants to share the importance of loving and learning to love yourself. Welcome, Maya. Thank you. Oh, you're I'm very... happy to be here today, Carol. I am so happy to have you. It's been a long time since we've been planning this. Yes, it is. Let's start, Maya, by you telling us about your child, maybe as you shared with me that day, about about your the culture you were in and 
also at what point you realized coming from that culture is that you were actually being abused. So whatever you can share with us about your childhood would be great. Um, my childhood where I felt like I was always alone. Um, I didn't have a mom and dad. And I, my, I remember the first day I got abused. I was eight years old. Can we, can we stop here just a moment? Because first of all, tell us where you're from. Oh. And also, um, what do you meant by you didn't have a mom and dad? I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I think that's important to telling your story. Okay. Um, I'm from St. Lucia. Um, I had to change all the names and places in my book. So in my book, you're going to see that I'm from Dominica. But originally, I'm from St. Lucia. I'm a St. Lucian. Um my mom actually has nine kids. I'm the third. I I felt like I did not have a mom or dad. Well, I did not know my dad. My mom was never really around to raise me. So other people were the parent. Um, and when she was around, it was always very uncomfortable. Or unha- I was always unhappy. So um, I remember she left us and she left me with my grandparents and she, she, I don't know where she went, but she went to the Caribbean. I don't know for what reason, but that was the first time I remember being abused. I have no memory of anything before I was seven for some reason. I really? No. I don't know if I'm blocking something out. Mm. Um, uh, you know, just coming out with my story, um, now people is talking and also saying I was abused as a toddler and it was my stepfather who abused me, but I have no memory of that. And I'm so thankful I don't. No kidding. (laughs) Um, I was raped by by the time I was eight years old and I knew it was wrong because Mm. it was so uncomfortable. It was painful. Um, my uncle told me if I told anyone, he's going to do it again. And it was a very scary moment. And, you know, I did not tell anyone at the time. I kept it and I just it kept on happening. He abused me that once, one time and he never did it again. But it, it did not even, it did not stop there. You know, other people, family member, members um, were also abusing me. Well, um, coming out with, with my story, I had to do it for the sake of my kids and myself. When I realized how much it's, it will affect them um, growing up and how much it, it was affecting me as a mother and a wife. So this went on for throughout your teen years? Yeah, um, so my first memory, which was eight, so I technically was abused between eight and 16 years old. And this was strictly by family members? Family and close friend. And I I guess there was at no point that you felt comfortable to share it with anybody? Um, I remember, yeah, I, I remember telling my sister about it and... She didn't say much. She she didn't say she didn't believe me, but um, she didn't she didn't say, okay, we're gonna do this. Um, she actually once 
gave me a razor blade to go to bed at night. Um, I also told my great-grandmother, and she did not believe me. Really? Yeah. She looked for every excuse in the book that I wasn't being abused. Wasn't this... Sorry, go ahead. So I just decided, you know, nobody cares, and this is my fault, and I just had to live with it. At one point, though... I remember you telling me that wasn't this part of your culture or was it just in your family? I think it's a culture thing. Um, it's it's in my family because so many of them I know that that has been abused. But I believe it's a culture thing because there are so many people that's getting abused in St. Lucia and they think it's okay not to talk about it. When I started talking about it, I had a friend, she said, Come on, I was abused too. Look at me. Move on. Like, why are you making it such a big deal? Mm. And that really hurt because here I am trying to get help. And I am people telling me, like, move on. What's the big deal? It's like, it is a big deal. It's not a big deal for you, but it is for me. And why is that? Why, why was it a big deal for you? Because now I was an adult and I realized how much my past were just looking at me in the face. You know, I have two kids and I needed to do something about it. And what made me really, well, I don't even want to go so far. I don't know if you just want me to go right ahead. Whatever you want to say. Um, my mom when I realized that I needed to, you know, come out and talk was when I told my mom why she can't love me. And the shocking thing she said to me, you want to talk about love? You are the one with the guilty conscience because you slept with her, her, her um, boyfriend, which is my stepfather. Right. And I, I could not understand why would she say such thing? Because I had no memory of my stepfather ever touching me. I actually thought he was the only one that I was safe around. So she telling me that I had a relationship with him or I had something with him really affected me even I was in my 30s. So um, I decided that was it. Because at that moment when my mom told me that I had a relationship with with her, her boyfriend, I would have to be about around the time I remember. It was maybe about nine. I was nine, between nine and 11. I'm oh not 100% sure. And I'm thinking, I would be, I was a kid. And now I'm 30-something years. You're going to throw this in my face and tell me that I took your man? Like, how <laughs> crazy is this? Exactly. How bizarre. Yes. But for some reason... It took a toll on me. Like things I didn't remember came back. I was angry. I was angry at my kids for no reason. I didn't want to leave the house. And every, like I was just in, I think I was going through a depression. And I told myself, no, you can't let them win. Like you need to come out of whatever state you're going to put yourself into. And I decided to come out. And it is still difficult. I mean, I'm getting threats. Uh, I have called all the names in the book. 
you know, I'm a liar, I'm a bee, I'm a, <laughs> just name it. Um, but, you know, at first, when my sister, which also got abused, told me how much, you know, that I came out and I'm looking for attention and I'm such a liar, it really, really affected me. Like, even, you know, as a mother and a wife, I just wanted, I just wanted to end my life. Like, I just said, I can't handle this. What did I do? Why did I write this book? And I was very, like, not even proud of what I did. And then I came out of it and I said, no, I can't do this to myself again. <laughs> so I decided, you know, to block everyone that would send me negative comments. And all the negative comments were my family members, I, you know. And I have positive comments and I just survive on that and just try and take every day one day at a time and just embrace it. So what are some of the good things that has come out as a result of you speaking? I've had a few people call me and said, you know, people in my book, after they read my book, they know that they also were abused from the same people that really me. And the, actually, the difficult thing about that, most time people call me and they say, don't tell anyone. And I struggle with that because I do not, I really do not want to keep secret. And I kept secret for 30 years. And it's really difficult, you know, it's okay for me to talk to the person and, you know, we could share our stories. But it's a little harder when the person tells you do not say anything, which I'm not going to go tell the world that that person get abused because that's private. But it makes me feel like I'm keeping that secret, a very bad secret, again. Like it's also, it feels like me, I'm in that position keeping a secret, which is very unhealthy. And it's not my secret, but it still feels that way to me. Now, as a parent, how has this, both your abuse and coming out and breaking the silence, how has that helped or hindered your parenting? Coming out with my um, abuse was very, very difficult. <laughs> oh, my God. I, didn't even, I don't even know how to really explain it. But um, with my relationship, it was really hard because my husband did not know I was abused. Um, my son also found out I was abused. Oh and goodness. after he found out, he tried and commit suicide. And I'm not 100% sure if he tried and commit suicide because he found out I was abused. But it was so close to the time he found mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. I think it had, you know, part to, a part to play with his attempt. Um, also, he was being bullied. So that didn't make it easy. Mm -hmm. But um, it was, re I think it was such, it was a struggle because I find that now that I came out and I just wrote everything in the book, I started getting triggers, triggers I had no memory of or um, triggers I didn't even know I had. And so an example, my husband and I always, we always fight about my name and he always get upset. He's like, it's your name. Why you get so angry? Like, What's the big deal? Like, you know, he just couldn't understand. And I couldn't understand either. But going through therapy and, you know, learning, uh, um, learning my, loving myself and learning about my triggers, I realized, 
my name was a trigger. And sometimes when my husband called me by my name in a certain way, it triggered me, put me back in that place where my abuser was repeating my name in my air. So that was something I, I did not know. But now that I know that, and now that my husband knew that, you know, we try not to use that name. Um, Are you, you're talking about your real name. Yes. Um, well, I actually changed that name. I don't even use it anymore. Mm-hmm. I changed it legally. Um, then I had all the triggers like squeaking of a door. And so it's, but what I have learned is that I, I embrace my, my triggers and then I talk about it with my psychotherapy and I find a way to, to heal and to, and to move forward and do not let those triggers, which is the past, affect my present. So I try and live in the now. And it's really hard, but I, I struggle through it. And I think I have reached a place where I'm very proud of, you know, where I am right now. And, and what exactly did you do to help you? Like, what can you share with people who may be going through a similar thing? I went through a lot of counseling. Like, you have to really pick the counselor or the psychotherapy or the psychiatrist that's good for you. Um, and the one thing that I learned is that at the beginning when I used to go to counseling, I never told the whole truth. And not telling the whole truth doesn't help. So I would tell the counselor what I think they're not going to judge me on. And what I think that was really bad, I kept it a secret still. But when I made a decision to come out fully and I told my psychotherapist everything, that's when I felt free. And that's when I started healing. That's when I started letting go. That's when I started forgiving. And it took a very long time. But that's for me, everyone is different. For me, it was when I came out clean. Like, I didn't keep anything behind. I didn't hide anything. And I just let it all out. And also starting to love myself and realize what happened in the past wasn't my fault because I always thought it was my fault. Well, usually the accusers want you to think that, correct? Yes, they do. And so it basically what you're saying then is you did not do this alone. You did have help through therapy. Is there anything that you did personally um, that you could maybe share with, with the listeners that they could do in a similar situation if they don't go through therapy? Now, you mentioned learning to forgive and also to love yourself. So maybe share a little bit of that with us. Yeah, Um Singing was something I did before therapy. I think that was a way that I let go of my anger. Um, It doesn't have to be in a group or anything. Um, What I also realized is that finding someone someone that you feel comfortable with and that you can talk with doesn't have to be a therapist, somebody that's not going to judge you. And um, doing something like, you know, maybe try and express the way you feel in art or in poem or just, you know, you just let yourself out. And one of the, one of my most healing process, I think, whereas um, I went to a group and most people don't have to go to a group to do this, 
but you you know you you find you get a space a space with no judgment and you 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 take all your negative thoughts and you try and turn it into something positive and for me i try and turn i couldn't understand how i can change something so negative into something positive it was very difficult but it can happen and i had to put myself in that place where i felt comfortable and then i i started writing and and even drawing i'm not a good i'm awful <laughs> at it but even when i draw and sometimes no one will understand what it is and from there i started to appreciate drawing a little because sometimes it looked like nothing but it means a lot you you try and get in all that negativity you have inside you try and get something positive coming out of it and for me it was uh, the i remember the first poem i wrote was big box of ugly and i took all this negativity and just put it in a box and went into this beautiful garden and planted and let a uh, plant a tree on it and let it grow and into something positive and that's for me that's what i did that i could have really let go for other people i'm not sure but there are so many things that you could try whenever you don't give up you try it doesn't work today you try again and you try again you try something different you know basically what you're saying if i'm hearing you correctly is that you're changing your focus and yes. you're taking your focus off of the negative off of your past off of what happened and putting it into your future your children your creativity uh, something that you enjoy doing and it's not putting your head in the sand it's not burying the past it's just helping you to change your focus and to go on with life and move forward is that would you say Correct. that that okay okay Correct. because I will never forget I don't think I can ever forget what happened right I have forgive what happened but it doesn't mean that I just sweep it under the mat and pretend that it didn't happen you know so how did you how did you learn to love yourself? And, and is that an ongoing thing? Like, is it a, a something you're constantly aware of that you have to do, or have you completely been able to, you know, forgive uh, yourself for allowing what happened? Because I'm sure there's a guilt factor in there, and then uh, moving forward with with actually learning to appreciate who you are. It took a long time. Now I could say I actually love myself. Um, and it's not long. I don't think it's a year now. Um, it was hard. Um, for me, what I did, I, I approached most of my abusers. And um, I told them what I know happened, what I think they did, and how wrong I think it was. And when I did that, I just felt, I felt free. Mm. I, it was it was an amazing feeling. Like, I mean, at the time when I was doing it, I wanted to die because you, know, <laughs> you were in fear, right? Yeah, like with my dad, he he was so defensive. He's like, "Well, I I just did this, and I just touched you behind, and well, it's your fault because you didn't tell anyone." And I I wanted to really just the I wanted the world to just open and bury me alive. But I stood strong and I told him that what he was doing was wrong and I know it was wrong. And the fact that I felt uncomfortable, that's important. And, you know, when I said to him as a police officer, you know, and as my dad, 
I am ashamed for you. And I left there feeling awesome. Like I actually started to love myself. Like I was so proud of myself. So then I did it again. And I, you know, I started approaching um, some of my abusers. So for me, that's what I did. And I had to, I had to, I find I had to forgive before I could actually love myself. Because I said I, I forgave them, but I didn't. Because when I mm-hmm. saw them, I wanted to kill them. Right. <laughs> I had that anger towards them. And I'm like, oh. And then I'm like, well, if I, I said I forgive, but why do I have so much anger towards them? And then I realized the problem wasn't forgiving them. It was forgiving myself because I had to stop blaming myself for what happened. Yes, yes. And that was hard. Like it did not take a day, did not take a month. And I was very surprised because it felt so easy saying, okay, I forgive them. I can move on. But when I had to forgive myself for me to move on, it was harder. And when I did it and I actually knew that I forgave myself, then I did not feel that way towards them anymore. You really hit the nail on the head there. And I think this applies not just in in physical abuse, but in many other ways. And by allowing them to... Uh, or sorry, by telling them that you are aware of what they did, I can certainly understand how that brought freedom and gave you the upper hand. Yes. You know, you are now, you're not abusing them, of course, but you're letting them know that, look, this is what you did to me and I am fully aware of it, but I forgive you for it. <laughs> I mean, th- that that just takes all their defense mechanisms away. They have nothing left you just destroyed it (laughs) that is very powerful tool and i think that's very wise wise uh uh thing that you did and that you shared so anything else you want to share along those lines well it was i must say the best thing i ever did approaching i mean there were a lot of them lots and i didn't um there are lots of them i haven't told but you know if the if you could only do one, and some people they only have mm-hmm, one, mm-hmm. right? Just one is enough. That's I think a, I think that's a good point. Absolutely, it it frees yeah. you, like you said, right? Yeah, and then you're starting to believe in yourself because now you don't blame yourself because you already tell a person you did this to me. And even when he's like, "Well, it was your fault," I'm like, "No, it wasn't. It was your fault. I was a child. You were supposed to protect me." Right. You know? And I don't know where that strength came from, but I came out and I said, that's what you think, but it's not my fault. It was your fault. And I took the blame off me and I put it right on him. Where do you think you got that inner strength? Was it just because you were, you probably were fed up. (laughs) You had had enough. (laughs) Yeah. I, I went through so much counseling and I heard so many things and nothing wasn't working. And I decided, you know, I need to face my demon. You know, I got up one day okay. and, I, and it just came to me. You need to face your demon. Because what I did, I ran away from it. And that's why I'm in Canada right now. Because mm. the reason why I'm in Canada is because I was running away from my abusers. I just went through island and country, like, I, you know, trying to see where I can feel mm-hmm, safe. Mm-hmm. But I had to go back into that environment where... I wasn't safe and face it. 
So wow. I had to face my demon and it was my demon and I faced it and I, and it was scary and I did it. And even I thought I couldn't and I did it and I just felt, I felt free. I felt free. Like I can actually not forget what they did, but I don't have to remember what they did. Like I can move on with my day without, I have to think of them. Well, we we try to teach our children to face their fears, and I think that's exactly what you have done. And also, I'm assuming you teach your children the same thing, that no matter what they're afraid of, facing their fears is going to free them from that fear. Correct. And is this... Now, your children, you said your son was aware of your abuse. Uh, you have two children. Is the other one a son as well, or... I had I had three. One passed away, um, and then I have when my son found out I was abused. He was twelve, and um, so now he's fifteen. I have a four-year-old. So what I've done, and which is sad, like the advice I would actually tell anyone: anyone has been abused. It doesn't matter what type of abuse. You need to find somebody. Like if you get into a relationship, they need to know you were abused. And I know this. You know there is a saying: "Don't let your partner know your past." Mm-hmm. I thought that. I believe that. Um, it doesn't really work. It, well, it didn't work for me because one day you will have to face your past to actually heal. So I, I think that we need to tell our partner. And if they cannot handle it, then they're not right for you. I totally agree. I mean, that it's what made you who you are. Yeah, yes. What I do, I would go to counseling as a family. And I would go to counseling with my son and I. And I would go to counseling with my daughter and I. And the reason why, and people say, oh, she's, she's just a baby. The reason why I do counseling with her is because she's a girl and I don't want to overprotect her. And I want her to know her space, you know, the rights, the rules of uh, privacy and stuff like that. And most time when you hear from a parent, you don't really care, you know. So I do that. Right. And I also do private. Like I take, um, I go to my psychotherapy on the side by myself to deal with my own stuff. <laughs> and what is the tone of your book, um Is it um, just your story or are you offering advice or what is the tone of it? Yeah, um, most of it is the story. At the ending, I give some advice about, you know, what had me going and what helped me come out. And but most of it is it's basically facts. This happened and this is what happened. And um, this is where I am today. Like, you know, somebody said, I don't like the way your book ends. And I'm like, it's a, it's a true story. This is when I stop writing. I can't, I can't really. You didn't a, like the way it ended maybe either. <laughs> right? It, it, it wasn't a happy ending, but it wasn't a sad ending to me. And, you know, when you write, I, I, I have never written a book before, but that's when I stop writing. And I just, you know, that's how it ends. But I, I hope one day I would be able to write um, a book. I don't know how, what I'll call it, but what happens after you break your silence? You know that struggling? Mm-hmm. You know how you struggle and the backlash and, you know, what you have to do to keep your sanity and what you have to do to actually survive after coming out. It's actually even harder than coming out sometimes, I feel. But I did it and I can't go back. So and I'm very proud I did it and I would do it again. 
So what is what is your future hold for you? Are you planning? Well, you you mentioned you might write another book, but do you do any sharing on any kind of group levels regarding yeah. this subject? Yeah, I have um, a group called Breaking Our Silence Meetup where we meet um, abusers come together. They don't have to share their story, but a place to feel safe and maybe hear other people's story until they feel okay to come out. And I also have um, another group on Facebook, which is Breaking Our Silence, the Facebook meetup also where I sometimes would post positive thoughts. People can share their story also. And just a group that you feel safe. It's not a public book. It, um, it's not a public group, but it's um, a private group. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody can see who is in the group unless you are a member. And that probably has, you've probably been a great support uh, for them because a lot of people are not in the place where you are at. Yeah, um, it's it's enc- trying to encourage them to come out, but it's still, I think that it's still difficult for people. Like, it's okay if they tell me, just me alone, and I still find it's difficult for them to share the story in the group. Even everyone in the group has been abused. <laughs> so it's still, like, you know, um, uncomfortable. I'm okay telling you because you've come out of your story, but I'm uncomfortable letting 60 other people know. Mm-hmm. Also, it takes time. Of course. And your healing doesn't stop there. It continues. And as we share with our story with others, I think that really helps your own healing. Yes. For me, it does. It makes you feel strong when you can talk about your story and there is no judgment, you know. And, you know, people will not say, oh, move on or don't go, you know. But when you're in a group with you feel like everyone is the same. Everybody knows mm-hmm. when everybody can understand you. Everybody can cry with you. Everybody, you know, it's just a safe place to be. And I would, like, when I had my group, I couldn't wait to go to that group because I know, okay, today I'm going to just be me. And I know there will be no judgment. And I think that's what we need. And we also, hopefully, when we can, we can go out there and have a voice. But the those that do not have a voice yet to come out and say this happened, I think they still need a private place where they can come out and listen or also say, you know what, this happened to me too. I think you really hit the nail on the head there as well when you said that there's no judgment because that's, I think, one of the biggest fears that many people have, women or men, that by sharing, you know, they're going to be judged and so therefore they can't be honest but to come out and realize that, look, this is what happened to me. I really need some support here. I need some advice, whatever it is, you know, that I need, that I'm in this group. And I need to feel safe. And you yeah. feel safe when you're not being judged and know that other people have gone through the same thing. And it is worldwide, like you said. I mean, it is certainly not just because of your own culture and what you went through uh, as a result of that. But it certainly is a worldwide problem. And it's wonderful to know that there are people who have broken their silence, have come forward, have shared in the hopes of not only their own healing and moving forward with their lives and in helping their children, but in also helping others, which I know is what you're passionate about. Yes, Yes, and I know I still have that feeling of shame sometimes and embarrassment, but I am telling my story 
is just a way to help others. Mm-hmm. And I think the more I tell my story, the less embarrassed I feel about it. You know, so and I think now that I love myself more and I have built good self-esteem, I want people to know that you can do it and you could survive and you can, you know, break go jump that, that take that leap of faith and have a voice and we will survive together. And what you said about um, being embarrassed, I mean, that is such a lie. And I think groups like yours are what helping to squelch that lie because you have nothing to be embarrassed about in any form. And you know that now. (laughs) Exactly. But I understand what you're saying is that, you know, you're voicing what a lot of people are going through as they go through it is because embarrassment and guilt walk hand in hand. And you have to come out from under that guilt and knowing that you didn't do any, especially as a child. I mean, it's bad enough uh, women that are abused, but when a child is abused, I mean, it's, it is heartbreaking and you didn't have a mother, uh, which made it even more difficult for you. And there are other people who will be able to relate with that part of your story as well. And I have interviewed actually several women in that position where they did not have a mother to support, you know, them and what they went through. And it's very sad. But yet, you did come through. You've learned to love yourself. You took a huge step in forgiving your offenders and understand and trying to have other people understand that how important that is to your own healing. And you're still young, so you've got a lot of years ahead of you that, you know, you're going to be an incredible support and help to many, many women and young women who are going or have gone through this. Yeah, and without a father, too. I didn't know my dad. That's right, that's right, exactly. Yeah, until I was maybe 19 years old, I lived my entire life, you know, not knowing him. And when I got to know him, he was a pervert, so... (laughs) Hard to believe, isn't it? Now, now that you're in this country and and you probably have friends and other people that you know that you have come in contact with who have had uh, similar experiences, and it's just hard to believe that this is still going on in this yes. day and age. Yes, and most of the people who abuse me still abusing children. You know? That's even harder. Oh my word, yep. that's terrible. They all they all still alive, and you know it's still happening. And it's just so sad, you know, to see, you know, the cycle keep on going. And yes. that's why I say, I want to break the cycle. I need to do it for myself. I need, it to do, I need to do it for my children. So their children could have a clean life, I could say. Like, yes. you know, they don't yes. have to follow that cycle with them. You know, my son said something, actually, that really struck me when I told him, when he found out, I, you know, I told him I was abused. He said, don't tell anyone. Aww. Don't let anyone know. And I'm like, where did he learn that from? Hmm. You know? How did he learn that, you know, being abused, getting raped, you have to keep it a secret. He's 12, right? And I've, this is, it was very shocking. Like, where do the kids learn that? Until I realized it's a trait. I've, I've kept it a secret for 30 years, what I expect my son to do, mm-hmm. right? And even he didn't know that it's like, it's just passing on generation after generation, you know, that it's okay to keep such secrets. So right now our rules are there is no secret in the house. <laughs> he said, so how are we going to surprise you? I'm like, surprise. 
<laughs> a surprise is different from a secret. A surprise is something that comes out and most time it's happy, an happy thought, you know. A secret is something most time it's dirty and people don't want you to know about it and they want you to keep it a secret. So there are no secrets in our home. That's a wonderful place to be and a wonderful thing to teach your children. Yes, thank you. I totally agree. Um, I remember when my children were young, that's exactly what I said. You know, um, a lot of times the parents keep so many secrets from their children. And some of them, I realize they have to. But having an open relationship, oh my goodness, it just makes life so much easier, especially as they grow older. And you will definitely see the benefits of that as they do grow older. Thank you, Maya, for sharing with us today. Um, you've raised a lot of uh, a lot of good points. I I believe one of the strongest points you raised, which I'm sure comes out in your book, and that is to forgive your accusers and for and to bring freedom to yourself and love self love by actually doing that. That yes. facing your fears. I mean, I trust that that will be a great encouragement not only to the listeners but also to people who will um, get your book and also pass it on because these things are wonderful to have, but we need to share with others as well. And so let me, that's one of the purposes of this show is to do just that. So thank you, Maya, again. And anything that you want to add, uh, any call to action, or you want to say goodbye, it's <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I want to thank you for having me. And I just want to let everyone know that, it's okay. It's okay to, you know, get help. Doesn't mean that you're crazy. And let us live in more in a happy, in a love ourselves. Learn how to. We try and love people, and we try and love our partners. And most time, it doesn't work because we haven't learned how to embrace ourselves and build good self-esteem. And I just want to let my listeners know that when you do. Embrace yourself and love yourself. Beautiful things could come out of it. Thank you. That was a great ending. I appreciate it. Thank you, Carol. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.